Hi, this is Kev Legs Walker, and you are about to hear a podcast of an interview that appeared on Shades of Blues here on The Cat. And there will be plenty more as we delve into the archives. Sit back and enjoy. I'm delighted to say I'm now joined all the way from New Orleans by Mr. Ernie Vincent. Ernie, are you well? I'm fine, sir. Fine. Excellent. You've been described as a, one of the funkiest guys in New Orleans. Has that always been the case? Well, a lot of people see that because of the Dap Walk song. I mean, when you were growing up, what what were you listening to? Was it funk and soul? Well, during those days, that was James Brown, Sly Stone, and Funky Broadway. All kind of stuff was out there at that time, you know. And mm. basically, basically, Dap Walk started because we started changing rhythms and chord structures. And uh, people don't know, basically, I used to love a lot of horns. And at the same time, I had a book with Chicago in it, in the horn section that they was doing. And they were doing a lot of stuff with the, with the styles like the major seven chords, minor seven, diminished, 11, 13, all that kind of stuff. So when I got, <clears throat> and I got flexible enough to deal with that, then we started playing, and we started playing. A lot of classic stuff, like all the latest stuff that they had out, like the Reaper and uh, Gladys Knight, stuff like that. And that started me to start doing. The only thing I other thing from that was I played a guy named Herlin Delkin. I always mention his name first. He came got me when I was still a teenager. And I started playing, and he's a Cajun guy, played Zydeco. I didn't know nothing about Zydeco, but he played those riffs. I locked in on them riffs. First gig we did. When he came and picked me up, I, I said, man, I said, I'm just learning how to play the guitar, he said. I said, uh, I only know three songs, and that's uh, two Jimmy Reeves and a Bunny Water song. He said, that's plenty. <laughs> and I said, <laughs> he said, he said, I'm going to pick you up Friday, and we're going to do a gig. And sure enough, he picked me up that Friday in the, in the Cadillac he had. And Herlin was a good dude, man. He played. He he he, he was playing with Fast Domino. He was he, when Herlin was a youngster, teenager almost. Everything from what I understand. But anyway, make a long story short, we went to a club called Changela. It had a, a shipyard around there. A lot of people practiced out there. So when that happened, I played that night. Plays pack, 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 and I just played stuff over and over, just that and the other. And he said, uh, when I got through. You know, I, I, made, I made about what, eight or nine, ten, nine or something like that. I forget what it was. But I was happy because that was the first gig I did. And he was pleased with it. I said, man, I got a good better than this. But anyway, Curly Delphi is the one who introduced me to playing the blues. But at the same time, it's blues, but the rhythm he had was in between uh, blues, funk, and zydeco before they cussed calling the funk, before they start calling the funk. I've said this before on the show that the blues purists will say it has to sound like this, but something like Cajun or Zydeco, there's enough of a blues feel in there, or some of it, to be categorised as blues. Yeah, oh yes, oh yes. Well, I, I, was, I was playing uh, blues players, you know, I mean, blues styles and stuff like that, but this came after I was playing blues, you know, started playing yeah. global blues and stuff like that. Was this back in the days of Lil Ernie and the Alpines, though? Okay, Lil Ernie and the Alpines, that's what I was with Herlin with. 
curly name and little Ernie and the Alpine. And uh, I got proficient on playing the blues, the little blues and stuff like that because we was all out of town a lot of times, around the coastline and and, and all through Louisiana, Alabama, and Mississippi. And during during the time we was in Mississippi, we stayed in Mississippi almost six months to eight to nine months, really, playing all through the places, all juke joints and everything. We just go play. I learned a lot from that. And uh, I always talk about a guy named Paul Will. Paul Will, he lived in Hollywood. A lot of people got to see him uh, Mississippi. But uh, he was the guy I used to sit in his woodshed with. But he played all kind of blues. I mean, he was a old seller guy, drank his moonshine, sitting sit on his porch. And I used to go sit on the porch with him a lot of evenings, and we just, we just jammed, you know. He had to do burst, get to what that was. I didn't know what that was at the time, with a silver piece in the middle. But he could play all kind of things, and he showed me a lot of stuff. See, this how this go, this how that go, this how that go. So for the blues thing, I, I still play it a lot. But when it come down to Hurling Head, was on the spot then, after this, Hurling had a... Uh, you know, he wasn't playing with us anymore. But but during that period of time, he called me Little Ernie in the Alpine at well, that time. So, yeah, that's how that started. You've been described as uh, a master arranger, writer, and musicologist. The musicologist part of that, did that come about because of meeting the people when you were out on the road? Yeah, uh, uh, yeah because actually, at one point, we were playing behind the most average guys that were singing out like Joe Simon and I can't call all the names, but right now on the radio station, because radio station then was playing 45s and stuff. And they would call us and ask us to do gigs and stuff like that at different places. And that put us in other spots too. But we had to learn their stuff and we did take time and learn it. And uh, they'd been laughing about it because we'd never seen the artist until that night that he was playing the show. And the only time I saw him or her, when when before the show started, I would go in the, in the dressing room with my guitar, and I would say, this song here, and I'd play a little bit of it. I'd say, and they say okay, that's it, that's it. It's the right key? Yes, that's the right key. But I did that with everybody before they even got on stage. But I, I have never seen all of them before they got on stage. But we would get that 45, and we, we were taking NASA that 45, the band we learned forty-five almost to to the note, yeah. and uh, everybody started wanting us to book uh, book us to play behind them. And like you you mentioned earlier about the the top notes, they were formed yeah. with some of the the best hand-picked artists that you knew at that time. I'm assuming these were people that you'd played with over the years. Yeah, this uh, the, the 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 top note groups. Well. I came back in New Orleans in 68, 67, 69, going into the 70s. And we was playing out in an area called Kenner. And I was playing with a guy named Scott. He was an organ player. But Scott couldn't keep playing because he worked for a milk company. And his job was, was blocking him from playing all the time. <clears throat> and I told the guys, bass player that was there, a uh, drummer. And uh, I said, look, why don't we form a band? And uh, we didn't have no name yet. Cause we was playing at a club, maybe it's Friday and Saturday nights in China. So I said, I got to get some horns. And I came in, I lived in New Orleans, but we played in Kenner. And I came looking for for horns. 
He had a 12-piece band playing at the Union Hall, and the trumpet player was uh, Lawrence Bowie and uh, Green. His next last name is, uh, I think, Willie Green. But anyway, what it was, I listened to those guys rehearse. When they finished rehearsing, I said, you and you, I said, y'all want to do some gigs? I said, yeah, man. We would. I said, we're going to play a lot of gigs, but ain't going to be that much in money. He said, we don't care, man. He said, we need to play some music. He said, right now, we rehearse about three times a week and play play once a month. <laughs> I said, look, we're going to play a lot, but we're going to try to build a band. Sure enough, when he started rehearsing with them, they was all really musicians. The other side of the coin was, when I started going to school, music school at Houston on Playboy, it was a GI school. I didn't know it was GI school. But the point was, I got... Mr. Raymond Charles was my music teacher. And I started studying chords. I said, I didn't solo a lot in the days, but the chords told me you can keep a band together if you pay, if you got the chord structures. And I started learning basically about the chord structure and voicing and all that stuff. And that made it happen. The horn section was the alto, alto player. He had just got out of Vietnam. He played altos with us for a while and with the horn section. And so that's what created the stuff. It was there's three horns, bass, drums, guitar. That's mm. me. You mentioned about the money there, and you're on record as saying it wasn't about making money. It was about creating the atmosphere and creating the history. So right. is that how the whole band felt? That's 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 out there, man. I mean, it's history. <laughs> yeah. It's history, you know. Yeah, I uh you know, we uh we parlayed stuff to, 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 to get the band all new material, all new instruments and stuff. They did. I was working, because I was working at the Navy base at that time. People don't know that, but I was working at the Navy base during that time. And I was I was making a little money and stuff like that. And uh, Campo was the music store we got everything from. And Campo would let you pay on it until you get it. And so we did that. We worked out a deal with the band. said, you do to get a little bit of the money this night and the rest goes Matt to get his horns what he wanted and the other one a little bit of money the next week. We, we broke it down to the point every week a guy bought his stuff, his equipment that he needed. I had already bought this, the PA system and mics and all that stuff, which I was there because I was always was the first and last to leave because I go early, set up the sound system and everything, set me up. And that's that was my job. I just Everything went good. And we rehearsed every Wednesday. Every Wednesday, we used to rehearse. And um, on the fourth Wednesday, we did not rehearse. We got together, and then we discussed all the stuff we did. And that's how we programmed everything and made everything come out very well. All the musicians were proficient. You know, they was, they was proficient. And uh, I enjoyed playing it. And what happened was, it made us so tight in one thing, when Chicago had stuff out, we started studying that. That was the hardest thing in the world to play, play that stuff, make it sound decent with the small set we had with the all horns they had. But the horn players, they nailed Chicago stuff, man. And between that and, 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 and the bass player, the bass people was uh, John P. was Dap. We called him Dap. Called him Dap. And we named the, band, we named the, uh, the song after Dap because he couldn't walk straight. He had bad feet. I tell everybody that he couldn't even walk on a coke top, you know. But he, he walked like he was limping, you know. So he said, we're going to name this after you, Dap. Had no idea 
this thing was going to do what it did. Mm. But every time we played it, people got up and danced on it, you know. There's a quote that to hear Ernie Vincent and the Top Notes single Dap Walk for the first time is like standing in a hurricane of funk. I mean, something like that. That must make you really proud when you see something like that. Well, people danced to most everything we did. And I think I give that to the Herlin Delphit stuff that I played with. Herlin was a Zydeco drummer. I didn't know nothing about Zydeco. Nobody down here was talking about Zydeco. And that was up through, you know, Lafayette and stuff like that. But he was a hell of a drummer, you know. And come to find out between his style of drumming, and I started putting two together, his style of drumming, his two-step dancing and people dancing, people dance on that rhythm. That's the same rhythm Fast Domino used when I started putting it together back in the day. And everybody danced. Everybody partied. It was a, it was a fun and happy rhythm. And when I locked on to him, that was it. Yeah. <laughs> that was it. When I, when I found out, when I play, I like people to dance. If people ain't dancing, we're not doing something right. Yeah. You were saying that you were influenced by the horn section in Chicago, but New Orleans is such a vibrant, eclectic city. You must have picked up influences just playing there. Yeah, I do. I mean, we, we played all over by stuff, Bernie Cato stuff. Uh, Oliver Morgan, uh, everybody in the city we played behind. You, you, even uh, Jesse Hill and all the people that was hot and ready was going. We at one way or time we played behind. I'm talking about the Neville brothers and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I can't name everybody like talking about up front, but we played for we played behind a lot of people down through the years. Well, you've been a special guest at the New Orleans Jazz and Heritage Festival for many, many years, haven't you? Yes, I have. Uh, it's a hard question to ask, but is there anyone that sticks out in particular? I don't have a particular one, because when we play, I don't know what it is, but we play at the, the, the Blues Tent. We play two songs before we get to three songs. The place is, everybody sitting down and the place is packed. I watched that happen over and over. When we opened the Jazz Fest, after one of the guys passed, who used to open the Jazz Fest, we opened the Jazz Fest for a number of years, and people coming in, and we played. And we played two or three songs, and the place that got packed, or just that quick, you know, so. The first time I went to New Orleans back in 2014, I hadn't planned it, but we got there when the weekend of the Jazz Fest was on, and it, the whole city is just heaving, isn't it? Yes, right. That's right. Well, we were talking earlier about the, the quote about Dap Walk and how proud that must have made you feel. One thing that really must have made you proud was being honoured and inducted into the Louisiana Music Hall of Fame. Oh, that was great. I mean, that was great. I mean, I, it was... It was. I didn't do that for that, you know. I didn't, I didn't do that to... To, to win awards and nothing like that, but you know, I was serious about chords. I was serious about playing and rhythms and stuff like that. And uh, but you know, I appreciate it. It was it was an honor, you know. But I told people, I, said, I didn't play to get awards and nothing like that. But it all came. I mean, it's just it just came. You know, I said, well, ain't good for that. Yeah. This latest album of yours, it's been described as an eclectic collection. 
And there's a cover of a track called Black from a, a thrash metal band, Neurosis. How did you come across that one? Okay. I had uh, uh, Scott call me from, from New Jersey. and His name is Scott Zapato. And he was, he called me and said, Ernie, we want you to do an album. And I said, an album? I said, yeah, man. He said, look, we're going to make arrangements for you to do an album. And so he did make the arrangements. And I had to go to Water Valley, Mississippi. I didn't know where it was. It's 90 miles from Memphis. I got out there, and the guy named Matt, the people, the two guys that come and check me out in New Orleans at Sweet Lorraine's Club. And it was those two, and we sat down and just went through a couple of songs, a couple of songs, and uh, had a song called Adrian. Instrumental. I said, oh, man, we like that. We got to more. And uh, a couple other songs we I played, they played along with me, this, that, and the other. Must have been about an hour together. He said, Ernie, we're going to call you and set a time frame for you to come to the studio. But I said, okay. So I waited. Sure enough, that called me and said, Ernie, you're going to send you um, money and stuff to go to the studio and uh, knock them out. I said, okay, I'll go. I got out there at the studio. They was waiting for me, the whole band, the crew, I mean, everybody. And I walked in, he clapped, everybody clapped. Hey, hey, hey. I said, I said, I made it. And the first thing I told him, I said, look, I come to learn, listen, and, you know, that's all what you guys want me to do. That night, we had done two songs I never heard of before. I didn't know what the name of it was, but Matt Patton, he was the key man. He both was the other person in the studio band was excellent great musician i had never dealt with stuff like that before because i was always taught teaching people stuff that i was writing and we put that together but this is the first time i would been in the studio and songs was given to me on the spot i had to learn those songs on the spot and between these songs i think within 30 minutes or something like that i i'll do enough for them to record it and I say, wow, I ain't never did that before. But the way Matt orchestrates stuff, he'll master at that too. The way he orchestrates stuff, you see, this is what I want you to sound like. I do that, boom, boom. The band would play, and I would play guitar. And he said, when we get through with this, we want you to put a, a solo inside of this music. So I had to edit every solo that came up on that album. I was learning. It was something I learned. First time I had that happen to me. And uh, it was exciting. It was interesting and exciting. So it was seven songs they had that I had to learn. And uh, the other three songs, like Midnight Run, is one I wrote, man, about look, 10 years ago, 12 years ago. And it was in my little collab system uh, collection. And uh, Jealousy is the same thing. It was, it was done years ago and uh that's how i started and so everything they told me to do i listened well i tried to do my best at it and that's the outcome this new album is getting a lot of interest and a lot of people are excited it's just been released are you going to go on tour with it i uh, yes i will is that just around the u.s or will you be going further afield will you be coming to england and europe well, whatever it, whatever it takes, we're going, we're going, you know, address it. 
So, you know, Scott, you know, they all excited. Everybody excited. The band is excited and everything. Yes, I'll go into it. I ain't got no problem with that. Well, we look forward to seeing you over here sometime at some point in the future. And thank you for taking the time out to have this chat with us. All right, Mr. Cab, I want to thank you for this, for your for the opportunity. And I hope you enjoyed that little interview there. And there will be more as we record more for the show. And we are going to delve into the archives and pull some of the old ones out as well. So plenty more to come. And of course, if you want to hear the whole show, there is always Listen Again. I'll see you next time. Take care.